Namaskar and welcome to Radio Eka. My name is Shruti Deora. And my name is Priyanka. And we are your hosts for the Radio Eka podcast. Eka is a place to learn yoga nidra, pranayama and meditations from India. We have a mobile app and we also offer daily meditation classes on Zoom. If you want to try the app or join our classes, please check out our website www.ekameditation.com or just check the show notes. Namaskar. I welcome you to this episode. Today we are talking about science of self transformation. And to enlighten us on this very important topic, we have the authority on this subject, Prasad Rangmaker. Prasad is a yoga educator based in Mumbai, India, who's been teaching yoga over the last 26 years as a science of mind, body and life transformation. He's the founder director of Yoga Prasad Institute and conducts yoga teacher trainings and retreats to spread the wisdom of yoga in its traditional form. A frail child who was often in and out of hospitals, Prasad's yoga asana journey started at the age of 9 when his mother admitted him to a month long yoga training to improve his health. He's had the blessing of studying under many accomplished yogic masters, but those who have left a deep impact on his life are Tatambari Avadhut, Baba Bhulanath, Narinath, and his Sadguru Sri Swami Samarth Maharaj. Prasad takes four months off every year for Mon Sadhana or the silent practice to go deeper into silence, meditation, and study. His holistic approach to yoga has helped thousands across the world. in over 15 countries and he has personally mentored over 200 yoga teachers till date so welcome prasad it's an honor to have you join us today we are really delighted thank you, thank you. it's an honor for me to just a correction i'm not an authority on meditation uh, or yoga i'm just a seeker I'm just a sadhak and uh, that's it <laughs> got it um so uh, let's start with your story your spiritual curiosity started when you were a kid and as a young yeah. adult you spent a lot of yeah. time in ashrams in india and nepal while yeah. you were all, also living a modern life right studying biosciences yeah. and business studies so yeah. when did you dive into the yogic world full time we'd love to hear about your fascinating journey <clears throat> see it uh, i have to say things have been happening organically in my life you know and uh, progressively it's not like one day i just got out of bed and decided oh now i'm you know uh, do yoga not like that so but before i begin i you know and i do this before every uh, lecture of mine or whatever that for me yoga is an entire system or science of self transformation as you said the reason i clarify this is because uh, nowadays we know yoga is many different things you know going uh to the gym and bending and twisting is also called as you so i am just clarifying my perspective so that the audience who listens can interpret what i am saying from my perspective all right so uh my perspective of yoga is a very traditional perspective because traditionally too yoga is seen as an entire system there are many systems but they are still yogas Uh, of self transformation you know yeah so uh, uh i can't really pinpoint where my yoga journey began as far as i know it began pretty early in my life spontaneously i remember 
when I was five or six years old, we used to have one tape recorder, you know, at that time and uh, the cassette and that cassette was of uh, Bhakti Geet. So in, in Maharashtra, we have this uh, very, very beautiful tradition of saint, saints, you know, Sant Parampara, as we call it. Uh, from right from the 13th century, from Sant Nyaneshwar, Tukaram, Nyanadev, and all uh, Eknath. And they have written a lot of literature, uh, which has been composed into music, you know, sung by uh, amazing singers like uh, Pandit Bhimsen Joshi. So my father used to play that cassette every morning or evening. And uh, I don't know, whenever he used to play those songs, I would just sit in front of the tape recorder and uh, it was some, you know, for a five, six-year-old boy, it was a strange experience because number one, five, six-year-old boy should not be sitting in front of uh, Bhakti Sangeet. Secondly, I'm well interested. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is where, uh, you know, the pre-programming of earlier lives comes in, you know. and. Uh, uh, and it would just stir me. I don't. I. I still cannot place what sensation that was at that time. Even it was even more confusing because you know it was a strange sensation. It would be touching. Sometimes my eyes would water, and uh, and this I this all I remembered a decade ago. You know because you just tend to forget. And then, as you mentioned, when I was nine years old, you know, summer vacation, my mom was working. So she just registered my sister and I in this yoga course. And I, it just uh, good karmas, I would say, you know, rather than, yeah, of course, later on, I took the initiative to, to continue with exploring the mysteries of life, or mysteries of self. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't really, you know, honestly, and, and it has not also been like some difficulty happened in my life, which made me, you know, just spontaneously started happening. And I really, uh, I really thank the bigger picture or the universe or God, Guru, whatever you are, the bigger hand for just holding me through this journey. That's it, really. I mean... We can have a whole podcast on that, but uh, for now, this much is enough. That's great. Um, no, that's great. I mean, it the fact that it was organic, it, it was natural for you. That is why I think you're so, you know, that is what brings commitment to the path too, I think. Um, yeah, also, also for me, um, see, even if right now somebody says you are spiritual, for me, it doesn't make any sense because... For me, practicality and spirituality are not different. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So uh, it's not like uh, nine to five, I'm practical. And after I come back home, Saturday, Sunday, I'm spiritual. For me, it's, there's no heart. And I've written many articles on this too. Mm. You know, even in Bhagavad Gita, there is a beautiful uh, shloka. You know, it says, Yogina karma kurvanti sangham tyaktva atma shuddhaye. Yogis do their karmas for one single purpose, Atma Shukti, to cleanse their self. So for me, it has always been a journey. Life brings you failure, life brings you success, life brings you uh, happiness, sadness. 
you know, as we say in Mumbai, chalta hai, you know, it keeps happening, you keep moving on and you just keep, uh, you know, taking in the lessons and yeah, adjusting don't yourself anything. and just move on. Yeah, Don't take anything too seriously. Yeah. 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 So, so you've been teaching yoga now for several decades, right? And your core message is yoga as self-transformation, a process of mind, body, life transformation. So... Could you talk to us a little bit about your own transformation and how it changed your life? Sure. I mean, if we can um, reduce my uh, work ethos in one line, it is the slogan of my institute, transform yourself, inspire others. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Uh, why? Because uh, you cannot transform others, number one. <laughs> if you logically analyze this, you cannot. I mean, you know it. Yeah. know that. <laughs> yes. I mean, we all know we want to transform our partners, our children, our colleagues, but it doesn't happen. So transform yourself first. And then through your transformation, inspire others. That's it. Uh, my transformation. Well, it has, like I said, you know, I've since I know I've been on the path really. So uh, I can really break it down into three. Number one, uh, at a purely physical level, physiological level, yoga has helped helped me uh, strengthen my immunity immensely, mm. immensely. Interesting. Because I was a very scrawny kid. As you said, always in and out of the hospital, you know, two major surgeries before the age of nine and very, very thin. So everybody used to be like, why is your child so thin? You know how Indians, Indian parents or, you know, our relatives, why is he so thin? Look at his sisters. So all that, you know, <laughs> and I was really thin. I, st I still remember. And I uh, my tonsils were removed very early, so my immunity was low. And then I had, uh, had all of operation of this deviated nasal septum. And um, then a little slight asthma, you know, as it is called, allergic rhinitis. Always, uh, you know, cat allergy, so cannot play with cats as a child and all these things, you know. But that improved a lot. And I give a lot of credit. Uh, to discipline, disciplined diet, and pranayama mm. for that. Mm -hmm. That is number one. Number two would be, uh, it has at a psychological, cognitive level, it has helped me develop clarity. Clarity of thought, clarity of what I want to do. And um, as the technical term in yoga is buddhi, you know, so, uh, buddhi basically means clarity, like thinking through things, right? Filtering out. Mm -hmm. uh, that clarity helped me a lot. And <laughs> I think that clarity came pretty late in my life, but still it came, you know. But uh, that clarity helps me to uh, not add to the confusion that life brings already. Yeah, so, uh, this is... Very, very important. You know, like, uh, remember another shloka from Bhagavad Gita. It says, uh, it's like a, um, a question that 
Krishna asks, he says, Ashantasya kutha sukham means the one who is ashanta. How can there be sukha for such a person? Mm. So, uh, in that sense, I really feel, and it really, when your mind is clear, when you know your boundaries, when you know what you exactly want, and yet not get attached, you know, there are many people who know exactly what they want and they pursue it and then they get uh, disillusioned. But this clarity is different. You know, you know what you want, but you're also ready for changes. And third level is, I think, the most subtle level is it has let me fall in love with silence and solitude. Mm. It has helped me venture into that world that is contextless, move into that dimension that is before thought, speech, ideas, language. So really, I mean, in a very general way, I can say these three things. Language is limiting when you want to talk about what's beyond language. So <laughs> Correct. But yet, I mean, you know, technically, technically, we have a whole Shastra on this, you know, where like you know, we say, language created the world. You know? So the word created the world. Mm. You know? uh, so yes, also no, also in the sense, you know, but yes, be, be before the pre-zone of language, thoughts, context, uh, you know, uh, formation of sentences, as they say, semantics and syntax. Mm. There's an entire, entire dimension of potential wisdom that one needs to tap into. Mm. Beautifully put. Actually, I would also like to share that um, even I had chronic like allergies growing up in high school and college. And um, I think they actually went away with pranayam practice. Exactly. Yeah. And what you talk about clarity and absolutely, I think um, that's what really brings you peace because I think once you are once you not only know what's your place in the world but you also begin to understand why that's the case and then you are not pushed from one side to the other based on you know what the society conditions you with and you're okay with what you truly want I think that's that's a great place to be in so that's wonderful so actually uh, we do, uh, you know, through our classes, we do interact with a lot of youngsters, you know, ACA students uh, who are dealing with a lot of stresses of modern life, right? So they're, they're probably going through spirals of negativity, of a lot of anxiety. And a lot of these are probably like your 30 and 40 year olds who are hardworking professionals, you know, and who have the right intention to provide for their loved ones. And they're kind and considerate. But probably what's lacking in their life might be a spiritual anchor. So could you talk about the importance of having a spiritual anchor in, you know, in a modern context and uh, how does one go about uh, developing that or finding a guide who can help develop that? See, again, we have to come to the definition of spirituality. Because we speak in English, our definitions and our uh, 
the meaning associated with the terms is also limited right but see spirituality means our mind interprets that something to do with spirit and the idea of spirit is very vague hmm for some people spirit is otherworldly something within us now if you look from the indic angle the term is adhyatma and the adhyatma the, the word adhyatma literally means regarding or concerning the self ati atma hmm concerning the self about the self now you see these two definitions are so different hmm so when you say adhyatma right. it really literally means about you hmm so it just it when you think from that way it becomes your personal journey it is not like there is some spirit within me that is transcendental and then i am not yet tapping into it it doesn't become an otherworldly you see adhyatma shastra means the science of the self and where is the self not outside or it did not come inside you when you were born or something like that it is you it's always been you now that self doesn't recognize itself mm. and gradually it will recognize itself and that journey is yoga <laughs> and so uh, the point that i'm making here is sorry you wanted to say something no i was just saying that it's interesting that atma right so a lot of people would translate uh, like atma to spirit but what you're saying atma is self right and that's the distinction kind of um so i just wanted to note that for our listeners yeah. yes yes you see there lot of lot of context is lost in translation Absolutely. atma in even in sanskrit atma means the self it's not like some spirit see mm-hmm. when you say self there is a ownership when yeah. you say spirit there may not be ownership you see it is outside comes inside then it goes outside you know so yeah Yeah. you say you no know, spirit world and you spirit left his body this and that yeah, but in indic culture atma leaves the body only once mm. right so anyway i don't want to make it about linguistics but um, uh coming back to the main point is since you spoke about the young generation and the reason i spoke about atma is because the 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 stress and the strain and the limitation that we are dealing with comes from the mind and the mind that we are dealing with is not from this one lifetime mm we have to we have to try to understand the the expanse of our project we don't really understand. we we look at it very superficially oh i am i am stressed so i do meditation and my i feel better mm. you see it's very superficial but the yoga shastras take you to the core essence how so that that mind that we are trying to sort out is not mind of prasad it is a summation of all minds lived or all identities lived by the mind before it was prasad hmm 
All right. An example, an analogy I can give is I bought a house in the resale. Okay. But that house was also bought by my previous owner in the resale and in the resale and in the resale. So since the construction of the house, that house had five owners. So now, even though I claim this house is mine, there have been five previous owners. If you want to refurbish the house, you are refurbishing the house for, uh, for the, to correct the mistakes of all the previous owners, mm. not just the earlier owner. Same way with our mind. The deep conditionings of fear or self-doubt are all very, very deep. Very deep. Mm. So when one starts on the path of spirituality or path of self-correction or self-transformation, we have to remember the backlog that we have. And that itself should make us more committed to our journey. So the anchor that you spoke about, that anchor is anchor of practice, sadhana. And that sadhana, the, the more committed the sadhana, the more faster you will come out of your mental limitations. You know, it's like stronger the medicine, quicker is the effect. It's really like, it's really like that. So, uh, we have to really realize what we are actually doing. We have to realize the magnitude of what we are actually into. You know, it's not just about, uh, oh, I have stress at home. No, because stress is very personal uh, interpretation. Mm. Wow. Uh, I because thought... we, we contribute ourselves to the stress. means. Like, you know, like, you know, in, in, the, in the corporate sector, there is one project, somebody is stressed about it, somebody is not. It's the same project, you know. Somebody loves dogs, you know, like somebody like me who's walking on the streets and I see a dog, I have to pet that dog, you know. But somebody says, no, no, dog, you know, just, just walks around the dog. A dog is a dog. Same way, stress is stress. So what is it that is making you uh, magnify that stress? And not some other person is not doing it. It is your contribution. And this is where the specificity comes in. Hmm. So let's, I think this is a great segue into my next question, which is, so how does one get freedom or experience this self-transformation that one can free one, uh, you know, yourself from these anxieties or maybe you can call them sometimes negative thought patterns or stresses and what is the underlying process of the metamorphosis or the transformation that's, um, that yoga enables? And underlining process will be very, uh, if I have to say it will be, it is a profound process. Yeah? But we can start. We, we will see how it comes out of my mouth. But... Uh, we can start with the, you know, how to free oneself. Yeah. Basically, we should, once we recognize that I am under stress or I have some trouble, whatever it may be, I have a lot of self-doubt or I have a tendency to self-harm, 
or uh, you know self denial tendencies whatever we have many tendencies right now what is this tendency to uh, not have balance it's not only about positive negative okay yoga does not give any importance to positivity or negativity samatvam yoga uchyate this is the definition of yoga mm-hmm. yoga is harmony balance so it's not about you know you know sometimes up sometimes down is normal but the idea is to come back to the your uh, balance so the journey should ideally start with recognizing that i am stress this is most important because people are in denial most of the people that i deal with they come to me only after life has given them a bigger blow you know like uh, sometimes people come to me for weight loss and they, i ask them why have you come for weight loss because my doctor asked me to and then i tell them don't you feel you should reduce your weight and they say no doctor said otherwise it will harm my heart so he said i should exercise you see so uh, that self awareness so when somebody realizes or recognizes that i need to work on this stress and then actually goes about finding solution that is as they say half battle one so you've come out of the jungle or come out of the forest of confusion mm. and finally found a faint little uh, path now the fact that there is a path that means people have walked on it and it is going somewhere so just stay on the path now again don't go here and there. <laughs> this is the first then comes finding methodology ki what do i need for that you need to find a proper guru or nowadays they will call coach or mentor or therapist whatever it is it's just somebody who leads you mm-hmm. that person who leads you will give you certain techniques methodologies to sort out this confusion and that one has to stick to now once you stick to that we call it its sadhana in yoga so uh, sadhana literally means disciplined regular practice mm. okay that you commit to sadhana is not recreational mm-hmm. sadhana is not only on the weekends sadhana is every day just like we eat food to sustain our physical body we do sadhana to sustain our mind mm-hmm. right so once you commit to the sadhana then the process becomes organic and that we don't know where it will lead i mean we can say you will become more uh, trusting you will become more courageous you will become more clear and all that but it is also very subjective so for now at a very very practical level we can say recognize your limitations find a solution provider get the solution and commit to the solution mm. very practically explained i think that was very well said um i think it definitely brings a lot of clarity to the whole uh process so 
And so once, let's say, a person is committed and is, uh, you know, doing sadhana for a while, so then in terms of um, just the, I mean, I don't know if you'd like to take any examples or just to help the listeners understand what is it that uh, that co- that brings about the change. Is it just what? the practice of meditation? Is it? more what happens uh, see there are two methods here uh, there are two play, uh, two dimensions here. one is the philosophical which we call as tattva jnana mm-hmm. the the why mm-hmm. and the one is method the yoga or the how mm-hmm. now why and how has to go together at least in the shastras in the tradition you know, which does not happen in modern yoga. Modern yoga, we do practices without knowing why we do. Interesting. You know, many times. I'm not. I'm not uh, this very general. Uh, what really happens is transformation of mind. You know, transformation of mind happens means you see, and I have to mention this point. Uh, Every anxiety is based on identity. Mm. Try to, as they say, let this sink in. (laughs) Every anxiety is based on identity. Means, before I was a yoga teacher, I had no yoga teacher anxiety. Right? (laughs) I mean, okay, my friend had yoga teacher anxiety and I was empathetic with her or him, but I had no problem. If I'm not going to be a passenger in an airplane, I don't have a passenger anxiety. If I'm not a mother yet, I'm not going to have mother's anxiety, mother's worry. So you see, so every anxiety is dependent on identity. Now we take our identities way too seriously. Way too seriously, so much so that the identity becomes us. Mm. This Patanjali calls as Asmita. And we don't have just one Asmita. We have multiples. Yeah, we identify ourselves with our roles in this life, in this society. That's what we identify with. Absolutely. Like imagine... You are sitting in the middle, your husband is on the right side, your child is on the left. You're immediately torn between two roles, two responsibilities, two different ways of thinking. Imagine there is one question, which movie to watch tonight? <laughs> well, that's quite a hard debate topic in our household too. <laughs> so think about it. No. So now if they make you the jury of this question, you will be torn. Whose side to take? Well, mom, right? so you are mom will always win. Let suffering. me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately for the husband. So the point will... that I'm making. So the point that I'm making is uh, a proper, proper pursuit of yoga will ultimately take you to a point where you'll realize uh, identity is a creation of the mind, and 
beyond the mind or behind the mind there is a common as they say a common denominator which is the to me mm-hmm. yeah it's like river water ocean water uh, condensed vapor but everything is h2o absolutely uh, you can i don't want to take brand names on your uh, uh, podcast but you know i drink this brand of uh, cold drink this juice uh, th- that uh, drink but everything is ultimately made of water you can literally uh, break it down to h2o it's that you know we get too addicted to one brand of cold drink but we fail to realize that it is just flavored h2o Mm. this will happen gradually and the more you are released from uh, anxiety of rules or dependence of rules you know because for example it happens with a lot of parents that when their kids grow up you know 18 20 and start to have life of their own uh, they go through a huge psychological trauma mm-hmm. because for 20 years they uh, they they have got validated from the child you know mom what is the answer to 2 plus 2 and mom feels wow i must be <laughs> you know some mathematician yeah i mean you know kids are good to validate your existence but then when they find their own wings you come back to that inner vacuum mm-hmm. and then we are like oops now what you know now then we find somebody else to fill that vacuum if you don't find something or someone else to fill that vacuum then then vacuum just sucks you up like a black hole mm-hmm. you know so uh my teaching basically is uh to help people play the roles without getting played by them mm very interesting actually one of my other gurujis used to say we come alone and we go alone right absolutely so that's one thing to remember and even your family is part of your journey but not the full journey yes absolutely important part mm-hmm. and that's why i call you know family friends relationships everything are what i call them as experience givers and they literally we have to start looking at them as experience givers now when they present to us an experience we need to be of this reflective mindset to filter through those experiences and just you know like a mineral ore and mineral so they give us the ore and then we have to really find those specks of you know nuggets of gold of learning and take it in in fact the shastras do say that you know like the the sankhya shastra on which patanjali has created his yoga sutra it talks about something called as bhoga and apavarga bhoga means experience mm. the prakriti around you the entire material existence around you is only there to give you bhoga experience now what do we do with that bhoga apavarga apavarga means release yourself so this is the difference between a bhogi and a yogi hmm a bhogi only does bhoga mm-hmm. just experience and that's it one experience after another you know there are many people who go on vacation and on the last day of vacation already start planning the next vacation 
<laughs> the experience addiction. But what does a yogi do? A yogi takes the bhoga experience, filters through the bhoga, and takes the required lesson and elevates, goes to the next life. Excellent. And so, so through the practice of yoga, this is how you know you transform yourself, right? But I also sometimes feel that if we are not engaged in deep practice you know, continuously, then sometimes the old patterns can come back. So how can we free ourselves of, let's say, certain negative thought patterns or behavioral patterns, like for good? Behavioral pattern will go only when the, that, the identity on which it is based will go. Mm. Mm. So dissolve that identity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, try to understand. Like, for example, let's say you're working in a in an office for a company and your your boss is wretched boss. You can transfer departments. He may not be your boss, but still he, if he's a wretched, really wretched boss, he can work his you know mischief through some other people. Right? So the only way to come out of his wretchedness is either stand up to him, that's another part of the story, but leave the world. But, you know, this is why vairagya is an important aspect of, uh, of yoga. But in yoga, we, 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 what we do is we gradually, gradually, gradually transform to a level where we realize that I am playing the identity. Identity is not playing me. So you play the game. So, see, in, in Bhagavad Gita, again, the Krishna is saying that, Arjuna, you are a trained fighter. And now it's the right situation to fight. Now, if you don't fight now, what is the use of all your training? Mm-hmm. So, you fight. You're a trained fighter, you fight. You know, you're a trained accountant, you do account. You're a trained singer, you, you do. You know, let the training potential go in the right direction. But also realize that you are not only the poet. You are not only the singer. Don't let that identity become you. Mm. You know, as they say, the person and personality. Yeah, every personality will need a person. And without a person, there cannot be personality. So what is more fundamental? The person. Mm-hmm. But we forget the person in playing the personality. That should not happen. Yeah, reminds me of that verse that you already talked about, but yogastha kuru karmani. So fixed yes. in yoga, you perform deeds. Yeah. So actually, I was also thinking that how do we, you know, take spirituality or let's say self-transformation to our younger generation who are probably, you know, not generalizing, but probably leaning a little bit more towards materialism. And, you know, that's really a construct of our modern society where we are being pushed towards a set of goals that might be, uh, you know, different from what, um, you know, yogis might think of as life goals. So how do we, what kind of yoga can benefit um, 
our generation or the younger generation um, in this modern context? Education. Mm -hmm. I, I really feel anybody and everybody, even if this person is a yoga teacher or not, they should educate. Educate about the holistic nature of yoga. Mm. You know, even today, yoga is seen, actually, only today, nowadays, in modern context, yoga is seen as uh, modalities. Mm. Uh, you go to yoga class, you do yoga class, you come out of yoga class, and it has no uh, effect on your life per se. We don't look at it as lifestyle. Mm. We look at it as an activity. This is huge. And this is actually my work. This is what I try to do. Even to yoga teachers, just correct their, you know, or realign, I would say, not correct, their perception of what yoga truly is. You see, like in ancient times, and just because it is ancient doesn't mean it is right. But what I'm saying is, in the traditional perspective, when people went to a guru, they did not go to a guru for a class. Nothing wrong with it. But when you approached a guru or a teacher, you, are, you went with commitment. Mm -hmm. But now I am committed to you, Guruji, for a lifetime. Mm. That commitment, no, that is important. Then doesn't matter. You do one hour of class every day and you see how amazingly you transform in 10-15 years. So it's not about even if you do 20 minutes of sadhana every day, even if 10 minutes of sadhana every day, it's doing it every day. It's the discipline. So education, number one. Number two, inspiration, you know. Now, our kids are materialistic because that's what, that's the ecosystem we've given them. Mm -hmm. If we were raising them in the forest, they would be farmers. <laughs> so we parents also have to, take our part of responsibility in it, right? And again, coming back to my slogan, transform yourself, inspire others. And this is a very common question asked to me in a lot of teacher trainings, you know. So I tell the mothers that if you have young children or even older children, doesn't matter, you do your sadhana and make it sure that they see that you're doing your sadhana. Mm. Let it become normal. Like I see a lot of uh, my yoga uh, uh, students who are parents, for their children, it is absolutely normal that mom or dad is going to wake up and do his or her sadhana every month. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not strange. Mm -hmm. It's just like normal. It's like, like my dad goes to office or my uh, uh, sister goes to school and, uh, and my uh, mom does her yoga, my father does his yoga, like that. It's just normal. So then the child naturally, for him it's so normal, the child also does yoga and then the whole family becomes a yogic family in a, in a proper sense. So education is very, very important. Also, you know, things like proper breathing techniques, importance of rest, importance of relaxation, importance of clarity of mind. These are more fundamental than calculus and integration and derivatives that we study, you know. Absolutely. I mean, I, I studied the, them in, in college, but I don't use them, you know. I don't use calculus anymore. But imagine if we were, we had like one period of uh, 
breathing class every two days and uh, then the child when he grows up or she grows up then can that can deploy you know remember in second sixth standard we were taught that breathing exercise mm-hmm. and the teacher told us that it will help you calm down your mind i will do that so imagine the 35 year old guy waiting to do his board presentation remembers that in sixth standard his teacher had told him a breathing technique to calm down his nerves he uses that mm. more important than calculus i am not sorry i'm not dissing uh, calculus or <laughs> it has its own place in things but practical no i think it's it can provide a really great foundation and actually part of what motivates me to share with my kids is i feel like their life would be so much better in many ways if they had the tools in their you know, toolkit right absolutely absolutely yeah. i think because right now they're i have i mean they're young but especially when you grow older uh, and you have pressures of whatever education and job or whatever life brings you so i think that is great but they come around you know today i've seen i've seen many i have many case studies to report that the parents you know the 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 kids parents are my students and they do their sadhana and then the kids come around they mm. go to their moms or dads and hey can you help us with this mm. and then the parents write to me you know today what happened you know and this is why you know they if they are in the ecosystem of yoga mm-hmm. one or other day they will come around right. because they will know that are i have inspiration right at home so why should i go in mm. yeah yeah um i think uh, thank you uh, but before i uh, let you go i i'm very curious a little bit to know about know more about your mon sadhana uh, it's quite incredible that uh, you take so much time off every year uh, and would you like to t- share you know some something from it in terms of you know your experience or why you do it uh, and what compels you to do it um because even like a 10 day uh, silent retreat uh, can be a challenge for most of us see for me silence is most sacred mm like uh, i'm unashamed to say that my silence has taught me much much more than the scriptures mm. uh why i what made me move towards silence i don't know yeah but but perhaps i had a lot of reflective mind and i i had a lot of confusion chaos and self doubt and then i wondered that you know this is not just coming out of thin air it must be based in something there must be before or after to that you know it's a thought thought just doesn't appear out of somewhere and uh, then i realized that uh, maybe i should you know explore silence and i asked my mom and she said no that's i i when my mom was alive that is before 2012 i told her i want to go in 9 months of silence and she said 9 months impossible <laughs> so i had started you know creating the ground before um uh to cut it short um one of the main reasons why i do silence is because 
I'm in, uh, I'm exposed to a lot of people, mm. right? I'm like everybody perhaps, but you know, as a teacher, as a brother, as a, so I'm, I live a lot of relational life, like everybody, nothing special in that. And I want, I take a time to come out of that relation. Mm. And when you come out of that relation, the whole entire expanse is uh, pure potentiality. You know, it's like uh, there's acres and acres of uh, unneeded plants or weed, as they call it. Mm. And then you want to cultivate the ground and then you erase those weeds. And then you look at the ground, what do you have? You have just a potential field, as Bhagavad Gita would call it, Kshetra. Mm-hmm. And I'm more interested in that. Because that, that field is common to all. That field is not mine to claim. Mm. And now I'm sounding a little, uh, you know, probably a little edging on mystical, but I didn't want to go there. But it is, well, my interest is that. I'm more interested in touching the depths of silence and stillness and solitude more than uh, intellectual prowess through scriptures. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. No, thank you for that inspiration. Um, I think all of us can benefit from silence starting from you know 15 minutes a day of meditation and then probably moving on to uh, you know silent retreats of several days or weeks um so thank you for that and uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us we i, I can um really say that we benefited a lot and um understood a lot uh, today so thank you so much and we hope to speak with you again soon um thank you so much i really enjoyed it thank you so much and all the best to the incredible work you're doing we really need it okay so kudos to eka we really really need uh, meditation calming techniques yoga nidra positivity to go to each and every household each and every person especially the kind of extremes we are living now we just need it so thank you from from entire humanity i want to oh, thank really you thank so you so much thank you so much for your encouraging words namaskar namaskar